So here we are, we're at the, the second of eight weeks where we're looking at prayer. And we're going through this thing called the prayer course. Uh, I want to encourage you to go onto the website. You see the, the, the address at the bottom, prayercourse.org. It's a great website. It's got loads of resources, especially there's an area called the toolkit. And you can go into that and there's, there's, there's loads of videos there's loads of, of study guides. There's, there's just lots of information. So you're getting a, a sermon this morning. There's books available. Is there any left in the office? In, in the welcome area, you can get a book written by Pete Gregg called uh, How to Pray, uh, which is a bit the, the book that's based on this course. Uh, during the week, you've also got the small groups who are going to be looking at a, a, a video that Pete Gregg has, has uh, created and, uh, and, and questions linked to that video. So the, there's lots of material that you can get your hands on. So don't just rely on a 20-minute a, a sermon for your information on this subject. And this subject this morning is we're looking at adoration. So we're looking at adoration. The reason we're doing that is we're going through the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And to pray, hallowed be thy name, that, of course, quite an old-fashioned word. We don't use the word hallowed all that often in our daily life, do we, in the 21st century? <laughs> it, it, it means, you know, to, to, to ask God to let his name be, be, be worshipped or exalted or honoured or adored on the earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we're, we're, the Lord's Prayer starts with worship and adoration. That's where Jesus begins. And I would suggest to you, and not just me, but Pete Gregg also suggests this as well, that we should follow Christ's example and start prayer with worship and adoration. It's a, it's a good context for prayer. Now don't get me wrong, there's many times where you can shoot up what I refer to as arrow prayers. When you've got a crisis or an issue, you don't have to spend 15 minutes adoring God before you shoot up a prayer, a crisis prayer, you know, as precarious as we mentioned last week. But I'm talking about if you're trying to establish a regular prayer pattern. If you're looking at taking time out of your day, of your week, trying to create a pattern of prayer, when you're going into that quiet place, that comfortable place, that place where you can focus, then the Lord's Prayer and standard practices is that we start with adoration. We start with worship. In, in his video, Pete talks about the difference between a microscope and a telescope. And he said, worship is swapping the microscope for the telescope. It's focusing on the big God, not on the little me. I don't know about you, but I tend to find that often my prayers have a tendency to be focused on me. And that's the microscope, as opposed to be focused on God. And that's the telescope, isn't it? 
I'm going to show you some pictures uh, from the, the, uh, the Hubble telescope. You go online and you, you can just type into Google Hubble telescope pictures and you get phenomenal pictures like this, the, the cigar galaxy. Or you get another picture, I mean, look at that one, the sombrero galaxy. And that, get that, that picture is gobsmacking. This is another galaxy, it's not the Milky Way, it's another one further away. I can't tell you where it is. That's, that's a, a nebula, that's, that's called the Cat's Eye Nebula, which is where galaxies and stars start to form inside nebula. There's hundreds of these uh, that you can go in. I just drew down five of them, you'll be pleased to know. I mean, that's another astonishing galaxy. And that's the, the hourglass nebula. Can you imagine the Hubble telescope and Edwin Hubble, they, they pull back these pictures from outer space. What do you think was Edwin Hubble's reaction when he saw these, these pictures? Do you think he said, my, am I not great making this telescope? <laughs> do you think he said that? Or do you think he went, wow, wow. You know, and when you look up, you know, your focus uh, can, can change. You know, looking up at the stars just brings out this awesomeness. And, I, and this awesomeness is, is worship. And I think virtually everybody, whether you're an, an atheist or, or a, a committed Christian, when you look at these pictures, it evokes worship. It evokes that, that feeling of awesomeness of beyond yourself. So when it comes to, to adoration, it, it's not primarily about a transaction. It's primarily about a relationship. It's about you and God in relationship. It's about coming to God, not for what you can get, but for what you can give. It's not primarily about doing anything. It's just about being. You know, I don't know how many of you have got children or, or grandchildren, <coughs> but uh, I, I can relate back to when my children were young, and even now, you get needy as a parent. I just love it when my children just phone me or say we're coming up for the weekend. They don't have to do anything. J just be with me. You know, and that, that's a, a thrill for me. And it, the, the adoration is just you just being with God. You don't have to worry much about what happens in that transaction because it's not a transaction. It's a relationship. Adoration is just about being with God. You know, 400 years ago, some, some wise people put together the Book of Common Prayer. And this is what they said about adoration. The lifting up of the heart and the mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Now, that's quite a low bar for being able to do that. You don't have to do anything apart from enjoy God's presence. C.S. Lewis said this, In adoration, God is inviting us to enjoy him. God is inviting us to enjoy him. It's a little bit about 
There's a song that says, forget about your troubles and be happy. It's just coming before God and basking, lying on that beach with the sun beating down and the, the Caribbean water just touching your fingers and just being in... Yeah, somebody else can relate to that, you know. Uh, and just being in God. The words are not vitally important, but hopefully words of worship, words of adoration, words of veneration, you want to get posh, you know, words of exaltation may be produced when you start pondering and reflecting on God. So this type of prayer is about intimacy. It's about presence. It's about worship. It's about thanksgiving. And it's primarily about relationship. In our reading in Acts chapter 4, we, we get the, the uh, Peter and John had, his, had been released from being in prison and uh, up in charges before the Sanhedrin. They didn't know what was going to happen to them, but they got released and they run back to the rest of the disciples. And what did they do when they run back to the rest of the disciples? The disciples say, let's pray. Let's have a prayer meeting. Not let's preach, not let's sing. Let's have a prayer meeting. And then they start praying. And rather sadly, statistically here, if you look at these verses, there's 137 words in these verses. And 102 of them are praising God. And 35 of them are asking about other stuff. They just start off saying, Lord, God, you are brilliant. And then they say, they must have been looking at Hubble's telescope, look at the heavens, aren't they fantastic? Look at the sea, look at the earth. They just start worshipping and praising and adoring God. That's what they're driven to uh, in, the, in the prayer. And at the end, they then start asking uh, for a bit of stuff. I want to show you um, a picture that's hung in the National Gallery in London. It's called, as you can see, a catchy title, The Virgin and Child with St. Jerome and St. Dominic. And it's by, uh, by a, an, an artist uh, called Filipino Lippi. So that this picture is, is hung in the National Gallery in London. And it's not, it wasn't considered to be one of his great pictures. I mean, it's pretty good. It's good enough to get in the National Gallery. But when the art critics looked at it, they weren't really completely impressed by it. They thought it was a bit out of proportion. Didn't quite sit very well. The, 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 the sky at the back seemed to be falling in and the rocks on the left seemed to be leaning forward. Didn't quite sit very well. And then this renowned art critic called Robert Cummings came to the gallery to look at it. And as he was looking at it, he felt the compulsion to fall to his knees in front of people all wandering round. And this art critic fell to his knees. And when he fell to his knees, he realised that the picture came into proportion when you look at it from below. It wasn't ever designed to hang in a gallery. It was designed to be behind an altar. And when he knelt between the two saints, it came into proportion. The perspective was perfect. And what I'm, why I mention that is, 
It's often on our knees before God, looking up and worshipping God, that we can find perspective, that things come into proportion, that we start understanding things differently, seeing things differently as we worship God. I'm going to play a, a, a video now. This video, you may, you may well have seen and heard before. If you haven't, and you only listen to it for the first time, it's pretty gobsmacking. It's a video by, well, it, it's a prayer by a, a, a black pastor called Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Um, and this is a, he's an old black minister, and at the end of a conference, the, the first time he did this was at the end of a conference, he was just asked, the, the guy said, oh, we see we've got uh, Dr. Shadrach here. Shadrach, would you pray for us? So imagine I just look out and I see somebody and I say, Angie, Anne, would you pray for us? He stood up and this is what he did. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be at all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. He's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. 
Now, obviously, somebody took that prayer and set it to music and set, set, put all the words and put all the pictures, but he just stood up and worshipped God. Now, he did do that a few times in his life, but uh, just to stand there and pour out of his heart adoration. I don't know about yourself, but I find sometimes that, you know, when it comes to adoration, my lips dry up after... 20, 30 seconds. I think, oh, I should be adoring God for more. A tip that I do, I, you know, I, when I'm responding to spend time in adoration, I put on music. I, I adore God through, through music or through reading. Um, people are far more creative than, than I. Uh, help me in that. So, let me give you a couple of quick <laughs> prayer guides, a couple of quick uh, tips of how to help you uh, go through and spend time before God in prayer. The one that I was always taught when I was young was something called ACTS. And ACTS stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication really should be ask, but it doesn't fit in. So supplication, as you all know at 915 services, supplication is the posh word for, for ask, for asking. And acts, the key thing is with this, is, and I've not really done it when I do it that way, is there should be a full stop after each of these letters. And the reason I say that is, is that often in prayer we rush into things and we don't take time to stop and allow God to communicate with us. So as a, as a simple prayer pattern, acts mean you spend time adoring God at the start and then you stop. And then you spend time confessing, like we've done this morning. And then you just stop. And then you spend time in thanksgiving. And then you just stop. And then you spend time asking, supplication. And then you just stop. We're going to spend the next three weeks looking at different areas of asking. So I'm not going to go into that in any, any detail now. Um, Pete Gregg has another uh, little acrostic that he does, and that is pray. And he says, you know, this is something that he uses, and he says with pray, he starts prayer by not praying. He starts prayer by pausing, which is a little bit like these full stops. Just pausing, just chilling, just relaxing, just being before God, just resting, just taking time out. And then the R is, the, is for rejoicing. That's the, the adoration. That's the, the worshipping God. And he says it in his video, don't, don't worry, sometimes it feels forced. Adoring somebody sometimes and telling somebody you love them sometimes, even if it's forced, is still a good thing to do. If you're in a relationship, don't just wait for the warm, fuzzy emotions of Valentine's Day to say, I love you. You know, say it on a, on a regular basis, even if sometimes you don't feel like it. So he's saying that rejoicing, just, just, you know, get into that. He's saying be it with psalms or worship music or just thanking God or just adoring God. And then he gets into the, 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 the asking, which once again we'll look at over the next three weeks. And the final bit he, he talks about is yielding. It's just saying yes to God, just surrendering before God. It's just listening to God. So whether you do acts or whether you do pray 
or do both or anything you want. They're just very simple formulas to help you get into a rhythm of prayer. You know, when you're trying to set aside time. In fact, on that point of setting aside time, let me just touch on the biggest problem I find in setting aside time, which is distractions. I don't know, but, you know, and for me, especially distractions interrupt me in the adoration phase of prayer. I'm not so bad if I'm asking God about stuff, if I've got a list of stuff that I want to go through and ask him about. Surprise, surprise, when the focus is on me, I can get through that bit a bit easier without distractions. But when I'm focusing on the big picture, on the telescope, on worshipping God, my my head just drifts away so easily. And all I want to say to you about that is don't worry. Uh, An analogy that that, that I use myself is uh, distractions for me. It's like when I'm playing golf and and I, I hit a bad shot, which is quite often. The good golfers hit bad shots as well. The professional golfers hit bad shots as well. But they hit a bad shot and then they forget about it and go on and carry on and hit good shots. Bad golfers like me, not Andrew. Look, Andrew's looking, he's looking at me now. You know, you know, you hit a bad shot and you walk up down the field and go, rah, 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 and axe off. And you get to the, the ball again, you stood there and you, you're still thinking about the bad shot. You don't get it out of your head. And guess what? You're more likely to hit another bad shot because you're not, you're not doing your, your stuff, you're not getting your grip right and you're not relaxing. Well, it's a bit like that with distractions. We're all going to get distracted. If you get distracted, to say, I've got distracted. I don't know how I got onto my week's shopping list when I was meant to be adoring God. Uh, but I'll part that and I'll get back to adoring God. Don't worry about it. It doesn't help you at all worry about it. Just, just forget about it and just carry on with, with adoring God. Just one last point. In, in Genesis chapter 18... Uh, Abram gets visited uh, by, by some angels. It's the story of like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, that, it's, it's in there. And, and in verse 22 of, of Genesis 18, uh, the, the angels leave and it says, but Abram remained standing in the presence of God. Doesn't say he did anything. It just says he remains standing in the presence of God. And I want to say that the adoration, prayer, just begins with you just coming in to the presence of God. The ask of God is no more than that. Just be present. Just make the effort to show up. Just stand before God. Just showing up can change grumbling into gratitude. It's not a bad idea to to follow Christ's example. He would get up early just to be in God's presence. Just to be before God. Just standing before God you know, can be, be messy, it can make you feel embarrassed, it can make you feel unworthy. Think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The, their sin caused them to run away from standing before God. 
But before they sinned, before they had anything to ask God about or intercede for, they used to walk about with God in the evening, in the cool of the night, cool of the evening. And they didn't spend that time asking God for loads of stuff. They hadn't sinned. Sin wasn't in the world. They just spent time in God's presence, chilling, being in relationship. I'm going to show you a, 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 a quote by Henri Nguyen. He's a Dutch priest. He says this. He says, prayer. Is that, is that, is that on there, that quote now? We're not done that slide about Henri Nguyen now? I have, okay. Prayer is important because it is the place where you can listen to the voice of the one who calls you my beloved daughter or son. You can listen to the voice of the one who calls you my beloved daughter or son. Let me tell you, you may come to before God feeling slightly embarrassed or slightly unworthy, but that is not how God sees you. God delights to receive you. He delights in your presence. Anytime you show up, you're entering into a special time and we can listen to the voice of the one who calls you daughter or son. Adoration reminds you that you are loved. So let me just suggest that you spend time and get used to the idea of spending time worshipping God. It seems to me from Revelations in chapter 19 that we're going to be doing that quite a lot in heaven. Not all the time, but quite a lot in eternity. Let me just finish by reading the, the, the verses from Revelations chapter 19 where, where John, who writes Revelations, gets an insight into what's going to be happening in eternity. He peeks into heaven and this is what he sees. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. I don't know how often I roar and shout in my adoration. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belongs to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servant. Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty and four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roaring of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, guess what? Hallelujah! For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. 
Then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added these as the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet and worshipped him. That's the picture that John got. That's what's happening in God's presence just now. The angels worshipping God. Let's get used to the idea. Let's enter into that presence now and worship God. Lord, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are all these things that Dr. Lockridge described that are beyond my capacity and my memory to, to go. Lord, I thank you that you are our shepherd, our Abba Father, the one who delights in our presence and delights that we come into your presence. Lord, may we today just be willing to spend time before you, standing in your presence and adoring you. Amen.